I want kids. I want a family. I want to be a mum. That's all I've ever wanted. My name is Ryan, and that's the voice of my beautiful girlfriend, Bridget. When thinking about having children, a lot of us guys nervously say, oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> but with Bridget and I both turning 30 this year, we're both very aware that the biological clock is well and truly ticking. I reckon when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a mum at like 25, 26 maybe. Yeah. So does it make you feel sad that at 30 you don't have kids? Um, I'd say making me sad is like the wrong thing to say. I want them more now than I ever have. Bridget is really excited about having babies and pretty keen to have them pretty soon. And whilst being a dad seems fun sometimes, most thoughts I have about being a father are actually pretty scary. Is this the end of fun and spontaneity? Is this the end of our ability to save money? Is this the end of any, let's quit our jobs and do a passion project kind of pipe dreams? And I get up at 4am every day for work. Is this the end of me ever getting a full night's sleep ever again? Is this the end of putting in those extra hours and getting that promotion at work? I really love Bridget. She gets me, I really get her, and we always joke and say we're each other's human and we found each other. But I'm scared that saying no to becoming a father might also mean Bridget saying no to me as her partner for life. Now that's a pretty scary thought. So either way, the decision I have ahead of me is pretty terrifying. My name's Ryan, and in this podcast I'm asking, am I ready to be a father? On June 28, 1987, a lady named Julie gave birth to me and called me John. Now, Julie was single and she believed that a child deserved both a mother and father when growing up. So six weeks later, I was adopted by Rod and Mandy Dunn. They renamed me Ryan and they kept John as my middle name. Now, I call Mandy and Rod mum and dad because they are my mum and dad. They may not be my biological parents, but they're my mum and dad and they always will be. Earlier this year, I spoke to mum about the whole process and she said that after nine years of trying to become a mother and after two years of being on an adoption waiting list, one day you just get a phone call. Because yeah. you don't know. You never know when you're going to get the phone call. My God, you're sitting two years waiting and you don't know and you just get a phone call. Like, that's bizarre. Yeah. So, so you just got to keep going with your life thinking, that oh, may or may not happen and then, holy shit, it does. <laughs> <laughs> This might seem strange to some people, but until this year, I didn't actually know this story either. It's really weird to think now, but I just never really thought to ask about it. So mum continues and tells me what happens after the phone rings. So I got the phone call and we went over to the foster mother's home that night and visited you. And then the next day went and picked you up. Whoa. And so when you get that phone call, I've already, it's not like, oh, this lady's pregnant. So in a few months, it's literally like, He's been born. It's uh, no, sh- no, it's you're six. You were five, six weeks old. Oh, so you weren't a baby, baby. Like, so there was a time. See, I don't know. So there was a time that you were sitting there going, "I don't know if I'm ever going to be a parent when yeah. your child has already been born." Yes. My mum was a school teacher, and my dad was a roof tiler, and they lived together in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, Australia. They broke up when I was two or three or maybe one. I don't actually know how old I was, but I do know that I was so young that I don't have any memory of them ever being together. So I just lived with mum, just the two of us, until I was 18 years old. And then I moved to the USA on a volleyball scholarship. 
I wasn't all that tall, and to be honest, I wasn't actually that good, but I thought if I could just sneak a few seasons in the US in the college system and then maybe play a few years professionally in Europe or Asia, then at least I'd be content that I've achieved something and I'd be happy with my life. Then I'd come back to Melbourne, get a comfy finance job, and I'd live happily ever after. That was my plan, and if it all happened, I would have been happy and not have had a care in the world. Now, whilst I think my goals were happy and enthusiastic and positive, I don't think I ever pictured myself or dreamt of a future where I had a girlfriend or I got married or I had children, ever, which as you can remember, is quite different to Bridget's dreams. I want kids, I want a family, I want to be a mum, that's all I've ever wanted. This is Liam, he's one of my best mates and has been since we were both 15 years old. By the time you'd finished your uni course, you had like studied in multiple different countries. Liam probably knows me better than I know myself. He's also worked as a social worker and in mental health and has lots of big fancy degrees. So when it comes to making big decisions, he's always one of the people I speak to first. Like you couldn't sit, you couldn't sit still for longer than a year, um, let, yeah. like, let alone, I was going to say probably six months, really. Yeah. And so it's um, how do you, you know, build a family or, or a relationship when you're constantly kind of moving and trying new things? In our group of friends, I was normally the single one and we always used to joke about it. And I thought I was always single because I like to move around and travel and be free and independent. Liam kind of agrees, but he doesn't say it as delicately. The reason we laughed, we laughed and gave you so much grill but when you um, said that you love Bridget was because we were pretty confident you were going to be a player for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Can you use the word single and not play up? <laughs> like I said before, Liam knows me pretty well and he actually believes that me being adopted has had more effect on me than maybe I realised. And so I feel like that, um, you know, that, that, that kind of almost a sense of displacement and stuff like that fed into your, you know, your, your thirst to kind of see everything and do everything and find this kind of connection. Um, but you were kind of like constantly looking for new connections and new things and yeah. kind of, you know, wasn't kind of the, the right family fit, I guess. So I think that is partly it. But yes, yes, yeah. you because you're a, yeah. an adventurer and wanted to bloody do everything. Having never met my biological father and I've never lived with a father figure in the house, I honestly have no idea what a father is supposed to do or what's expected of me. Or is that just another excuse? Well, yeah, I don't know. But being adopted does have a huge factor on my decision and it's something that I only just realised recently. Alright, so just got back in the car after... I just made a video where I got my Ancestry DNA results back. I did this thing because, you know, I've, I've never met anyone in my biological family, so I'm a bit of a, a blank canvas, so I was curious to find out that I'm Irish, <laughs> um, which is cool to know, I guess, but I guess with, with my ginger beard, it was always probably going to be Irish or Scottish or something. But um, doing that and then being told that I've got a few second cousins out there somewhere that have also done the DNA test or we're like a high possibility of a link or something, it just reminded me that I've I've actually never met anyone with the same blood as me before um, you know like that I'm a, a biological part of them or they're a biological part of me um, ever and you know you hear in sports or just anywhere really that oh it runs in the family or oh it's in his genes to be like that or uh, or like father like son but yeah I've, I've never had that and most people who I was chatting to inside were coming at it of a point of, oh, if we can find your second cousins, then we can maybe reverse engineer it and you can find your parents, which is mega exciting. But now that I've got back 
here and there's no one else here and I just had a minute to think about it um, whilst finding my parents is cool it, it occurred to me and, and I guess I've always known this but if Bridget and I have a baby um, like that baby will be the first person I ever meet who has the same blood as me and the same DNA as me like they will be a piece of me which I guess is obvious and I feel silly saying it but I know I guess a lot of people take it for granted that they're brought up with people who are all the same as them but I've never seen anyone that looks like me before I would know what that looks like like I know what my dumb face looks like in the mirror but I've never seen someone that looks like me or is in my family um know you picture what a baby looks like like a generic baby but you, you never think oh that person's going to look like me that'll be the first person I've ever met that looks like me hmm. hello hey I've just arrived at Max's place. Now, Max and Liam, who you just met before, and I, the three of us used to hang out at high school every day and over 10 years later are still pretty great mates. And Max, he's a new dad himself. Luca is 20 months old tomorrow, I think, and Ruben is 20 months old tomorrow. They are obviously twins. (laughs) (laughs) I say Max is my cousin because it's easier than trying to explain how we're actually related because it's really complicated, which means trying to explain how I'm related to his kids, I mean, it's it's almost impossible. Uh, So they'd be... Oh, God, I don't know how that works. Second cousin-in-law once removed. (laughs) Max and I are chatting about fatherhood whilst watching Ruben and Luca in the bath, which turned out to be a lot messier than I originally expected. Which I think is one of those things that you can't... Do oh, oh. <laughs> that? It's one of those things you can't really... Um, you can't really know until you're in it. Between us getting splashed by the boys, I asked him, was being a dad better than he thought it would be or harder than he thought it would be? It's hard to tell. Like, I wouldn't have known. Like, I, I had no idea that it would be like this. Yeah. You sort of can't really describe how it is or what it is, but... So it's both better and worse than you thought? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want to get out? You do. You do want to get out. Awesome. Thanks, mate. What do you got to say for yourself? In this podcast series, you're going to hear more from Max, Liam, and my mum. But to be honest, all three of them have the same question that, well, a lot of people just ask me when I talk about this topic, which is, Ryan, why don't you just do it? Well, when I was 16 years old, Matt DeSalvo rolled his ankle, and a few days later, I flew to French Polynesia to play volleyball in his place. At 18, I moved to the USA to play college volleyball because those US college movies look like a lot of fun. At 20, I met a guy named Tommy at a bar in Melbourne. Tommy was about to move to Malaysia and four beers in, he said, Ryan, why don't you come with me? And two beers after that, I said, sure, why not? So I moved over to Malaysia. At 24, I put every spare cent and every spare second I had into a short film called Customer Service. It ended up premiering at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and led to me getting into the media. 
And at 25, I quit my finance job and moved to Phuket in Thailand to help launch a radio station and earn probably about 90% less of the income I was earning in finance. But I had no partner, no children, and no debts. So I went, no problems. As you can hear, I've run away and joined the circus many times before. I'm that guy. Independence, freedom, and being nimble, they're things I value the most, and I can't help but feel like having kids will probably jeopardize that. I've seen other people say, oh, well, I can't now that I've got this kid. And I've always thought, oh, I I don't want to be like that. The more people I speak with, the more I realise that everyone will have, has had, or is currently having these very same conversations, debates, and negotiations about having children. But you never really get to be a fly on the wall, and you never get to listen to other couples' conversations, do you? Well, in this podcast, you will. You'll also hear me try to figure out work-dad balance. You'll hear me try to get over the fear of being a bad dad. And you'll hear what it's like to be judged by other parents. And in the next episode, you'll learn more about my girlfriend, Bridget, and I'll learn how serious this all really is. I suppose if you just kept making excuses about money and where we are and, uh, you know, our situation and having the right house and... And all of those things that you sort of come at me with, which I I do, I understand. Um, I suppose if you made me wait too long and then it didn't happen, yeah, I'd be really, really, really disappointed. Really, I I think I'd be quite angry at you, actually, because I've given you at least two years now. And I think that it would be quite unfair for you to have strung me along in such a serious relationship for you to, at the end, just go, oh, nah, I don't think so. To get notified of new episodes, please subscribe to Am I Ready to Be a Father on whichever podcast app you're listening to now. And if you've got friends or you know other people who are in a similar stage of life, maybe send them a link to the podcast or tag them in any of the podcast posts on my Ryan John Facebook page. Thank you to my mother, Mandy, for being part of this episode. Thank you very much to Liam and my kind of almost cousin, Max. Thank you to Brody Green for mixing the audio and thank you for listening. We'll chat to you on episode two. Hey, 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 baby, hey.